Welcome back to the Reading and Writing Podcast. My guest today is Erica Roebuck, national bestselling author of the new novel, Sisters of Night and Fog. Erica, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Jeff. I'm really happy to be here. Sure. Well, if someone listening hasn't yet heard about your new novel, Sisters of Night and Fog, how would you describe the novel? I describe it as the true story of two remarkable women in World War II, an American teacher who joins an Allied pilot escape network with her French husband, and a Franco-British widow and mother who becomes a secret agent to avenge her husband's death. And their deeds and the resistance come together in a staggering halt um, at Ravensbrück concentration camp where the true depths of their courage and strength are revealed. And do you remember the original idea or impetus that led you to write Sisters of Night and Fog? I do. I was researching Virginia Hull for my previous novel, The Invisible Woman. And Virginia Hull was in um, the spy organization, the special operations executive. And then she was in the uh, U.S. counterpart, the Office of Strategic Services. And so in all the research of that, the other women and men who were in her networks, um, both American and British and French, really started to captivate my attention. And two of the women in particular really rose up to the top. Um, I'd been focused on the American, Virginia de Albert Lake, uh, but then another woman, Violet Jabo, also came into the picture. And so can you take us back? What was your initial writing journey that led you to writing and getting your first novel published? Sure. I've been writing my whole life. Um, I wrote my first play when I was seven years old. I wrote poems <laughs> and songs and angsty novels all throughout school. <laughs> and, um, and when I was in college, I majored in education, but I minored in literature because to me, the two are always um, working together. But it wasn't until I had my first son almost 20 years ago um, that I started writing during his nap times and bedtime when I decided to stay home with him. And uh, it was during those times that I really started to work on the novel form and fell in love with it. Uh, I ended up self-publishing my first novel, but um, my subsequent novels have been with Penguin and Penguin Random House. And I'd started writing about American writers and the women who informed their work and their wives. Um, and I was speaking to a publishing professional and she said to me, how about finding a woman who's really remarkable on her own, not because she's Mrs. Fitzgerald or Mrs. Hawthorne. Um, and that's around the time that Virginia Hall came on my radar. And then just from studying her, there have been so many fascinating women. And I'm curious, what was your decision to, to what led your decision to self-publish that first novel? Well, I sent it to 100 agents and all 100 of them rejected me. <laughs> and, well, that's a good reason. <laughs> well, it's not actually a good reason. It's probably something I should learn from. Uh, but I did use it as a learning experience. And Occasionally in those rejections, there would be a little note scribbled with some feedback as to why. And I really took those as jewels and nuggets of wisdom. And um, self-publishing was starting to swirl around at that time. It was 2008, 2009. And so I thought, well, let me self-publish it, get reader reviews, meet with book clubs, start a website, really start to build a foundation um, and getting a, a writing platform, if you will. And learn from that. And it would turn out to be a really valuable experience. You know, one of the book clubs that I started with in my very first novel just came to my book signing last night for my eighth novel. And so I've had some of these people with me since the beginning, and they've enjoyed coming on the journey with me. Um, they're really a big part of it. 
Um, and then sometimes I have another book that's self-published and it really is very much off brand. I usually write historical fiction. Mm-hmm. And this other book um, is satire about sports parents. So it didn't really make sense <laughs> to publish it as Erica Roebuck, historical fiction author. Um, so that's kind of a it, more of an exorcism than anything else. But yeah. <laughs> sure. Well, what is your research process when you're planning and thinking about a new historical novel? I'm I'm very open to the mystical inspiration that happens. I've always been very sensitive to place. And so when I visit a historic home or or something like that, very often I feel the past very deeply. And I, I think that's because I grew up in Annapolis where the past is very much alive around us. So it always feels like you're walking through a novel from the 1700s. Um, but for me, I'm, I, I go to places and then I feel like the subjects who really want me to write about them start to speak to me in different ways and they start to pop up on my radar. And the ones that really start to come more and more, I, they almost a calling or an urge to follow their stories um, is, is how, I, how it always goes. Once I commit to that, then I really dig into um, any biography, nonfiction written about the subject. I seek out archival material. Then I try to find material that the subject him or herself wrote. So the letters of Ernest Hemingway at the JFK Museum or visiting Malay's house at Steepletop in New York. Or Virginia Hull's niece still lives in Baltimore. So that's the part where things get really personal when I can meet with family members or friends who knew my subjects. So along the way, what starts as an outline or a black and white sketch gets really, really colored in. And then by the time I write, I know these people inside and out. So I feel like I can, I can tell their stories. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. And, and what, is that, what is that outlining process like for you, I'm assuming since you are writing historical novels that, um, and often with uh, historical figures that you are um, looking at the timeline of actual historical events and then um, writing the novel around that. How does that work for you? Well, I'm not a biographer, but I do, you know, I'm a novelist, so I have to look for character arc, climax, uh, specific goals and wants. Sure. So all of during the research, I'm really looking for what is the story that I want to tell within this life. And, um, you know, so for Ernest Hemingway, after dozens and dozens of books and a very rich and fascinating life, I ended up being drawn to the time in Key West because I visited there, visited the house. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there was an article that he wrote called Who Murdered the Vets about the veterans who were killed in the Labor Day hurricane of 35. So then I found my, my climax, my story. So the whole novel is actually built around that hurricane. Um, and then, you know, with the women and sisters of night and fog, this time I had two women from two very different starting points, very different lives, but their lives intersect. So I had to find parallel journeys in both of their lives that would lead to the moment of intersection. And then ultimately the climax where they're both, you know, tested. Um, so it, it's a, a process of discovery is one I love. But I do try to stick to the history, the facts as much as possible. If I deviate in any way, usually it would be through secondary characters, supporting characters, or I might combine 
uh, men and women in a network because there were so many people. They would have dozens and dozens of contacts. Um, and if I do that, I make a note in the author's note. Gotcha. So when you were researching your new novel, Sisters of Night and Fog, was there anything that you discovered in your research that surprised you? Yes, I was in contact with one of the children of one of the women. Um, and so we had some excellent exchanges over the phone. He lives in Paris. But um, when I was digging into the networks, I started to find things uh, that lined up about other members of his family. And so I reached out to him and I said, do you know when your aunt and uncle got your parents involved in the Comet Resistance Line? And he said, my aunt and uncle weren't in the Comet Resistance Line. And so I had to tell him, yes, they were, and they got your parents involved, <laughs> which was, it was shocking for him. Um, you know, I think he kind of paused and thought, well, I probably need to go call my cousin. <laughs> but, um, you know, it's just you find things like that, that family members who haven't been in the weeds of the research don't know. So that was interesting. It was a very interesting moment. So have you started working on a new novel now? I have. I was it, mostly the writing of this novel, all of it actually took place during the pandemic. Mm -hmm. And when I finished it, I started looking at other subjects that had captivated me. And one of those subjects was a haunted apartment complex in London. But the deeper I got into researching it, I was spending so much time with the occult and with drug use. There were really dark subject matters, and I did not want to immerse myself in that during such a dark time, you know, in the world. Mm -hmm. So I pivoted and um, I started <laughs> seeking what is true and beautiful and interesting. And I'm always very captivated by the relationship between science and faith, especially nowadays with all the different um things we have going on in the world. And actually what captivated me is a controversial artifact slash relic and uh, a, a beautiful, dreamy, sensory experience of setting and food. And what I'm crafting around it is a multi-generational story of uh, love and betrayal through one family and this artifact that I can't quite need. Sure. That sounds fun. Well, what writing advice would you offer for those who are working on their own stories and novels? So first, I would say, find the things that you want to go to every day in your imagination, um, that you want to immerse yourself in and that you're willing to allow to become a part of you because these stories become a part of you. So you have to really be judicious in what you let in. Um, the second thing I would say is always leave the drafting process when the going gets good, which is basically Hemingway's advice. He would <laughs> write and write when you get to the middle of the scene and the door is thrown open and there's a person with a gun. You stop writing and you walk away because it's very easy to pick up the next day instead of writing to, say, the end of a chapter and then not knowing where to go next. That's great. Well, what novels have you read recently that you enjoyed? Um, I, oh, I've been immersed in so many, mostly through the blurb process, but also um, just for my own personal reading. I just finished The Forest of Vanishing Stars by Kristen Harmel. Um, which is a story about a young woman in the wilderness who helps Jewish refugees survive during the war. Um, it's sort of the Hunger Games meets where the crawdads sing. <laughs> it's very rich. <laughs> um, uh, it, it was a really immersive experience with characters that are going to really stay with me for a long time. Um, I also just finished reading Angels of the Pacific, which is by Elise Hooper, which is a whole other front of World War II. Um, that I had, I knew nothing about. So because it was a world war, there's so many stories and so many angles. Um, and I really, I really enjoy reading it constantly. I read almost exclusively historical fiction, but mm -hmm. this sort of subgenre within it is um, one I'm, I'm immersed in a lot. 
That's great. Well, where can people find you online if they'd like to learn more about you and your novels? For social media, I'm most active on my Facebook author page and on Instagram. And both, and my website also has links to everything. And that's just my name, ericaroebuck.com, E-R-I-K-A-R-O-B-U-C-K. Um, so everything, everything moves out from there. That's great. Well, again, we've been speaking with Erica Roebuck, national best-selling author of the new novel, Sisters of Night and Fog. The novel is available now. So go buy a copy. And Erica, thanks for doing this interview. Thanks, Jeff. It was great speaking with you. Great. Thanks a lot. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.